God bless you. I want to I want to say a few things to you, and, and hopefully, and uh, I'm 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 not going to be long tonight, but uh, I just I, I feel like saying some things to you from the Word of the Lord that, <coughs> pardon me, need to be said. You know, it's been said that that uh, life is what happens while we're waiting for something else to happen. Isn't life exciting? You get up, you never know what a day is going to bring. Uh, your idea of a day may not be what the day is at all. And your idea of life may not be what life would hand you on that particular day. And, and even life in general, we have dreams and we have uh, wants and we have desires and Sometimes we've waited for things to come to pass and we've said, oh, well, we're, we're looking forward to this day or that day. Life is a mystery and it doesn't all pan out the way we sometimes think it ought to pan out. Can you say amen? So many people have started down the pathway of life and, uh, and thought this is what's going to happen in my life and, and it's good to plan. Don't get me wrong. It's good to put back for retirement. It's good to plan your future. It's good to have life insurance. I believe in that kind of stuff. But it doesn't always work out the way our dreams are and the way our wants are. And sometimes we get overwhelmed with life. And uh, that's, that's just the way life is. You, you have situations and circumstances, many of them, that you will not understand. Life will hand you things that you did not prepare for. And life will hand you things that you were not ready for in any time in your life. Our lives, our lives, listen to me now, will only have meaning and only have direction when we build our lives around Jesus Christ. That's a fact. You can't build on anything else. You can't build on the sand. You've got to build on the rock. Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy your soul and your life. He's the only thing. Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived, or the wisest man that ever lived. And he devoted much of his life to answer the question, of the meaning and the purpose of life. He said something that I want to read in your hearing tonight, and this is where I will spend a few minutes talking to you from what Solomon said about life. Here's what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. I'm sure Brother Tommy will put that on the screen. He's about as quick typing as I am talking. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, here's what he said. Let us hear the conclusion. I want everybody in this room to say with me the conclusion. He said, I want you to hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He didn't stop there. He said, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. So first of all, Solomon, <coughs> pardon me, he says to fear God, to fear God. What does fear God mean? 
What does that literally mean? Godly fear is not being afraid of our, of our maker. That's not what it really is. Godly fear is a reverence for the God that we serve. I could, I could spend, and I will spend a little time here tonight. Godly fear realizes that the earth is his and everything in it belongs to him. It's a reverence. It's, it's we understanding that we are created by him and all things are created by him. And furthermore, we belong to him. We are not nobodies, we are somebodies because God hath called us out of darkness into a marvelous light and we belong to him. The food we eat, the air we breathe, it's what sustains us in life and God owns it all. John 1 and 3 said this, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He he made every river, every tree. He made every stick of material in this building. He made everything you've ever laid eyes on. The heavens and the earth, the Bible said, the earth is just his footstool and heaven is his throne and he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. God made everything. You believe that tonight? Paul said it well in Colossians chapter 1 when he said in verse 16, Colossians 1.16 said, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, the visible and the invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things. Somebody here say all things. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist, I ought to have that verse memorized because that's what I preached in the drama many years ago. That's what God made this world for. It's made by him, it's made for him, and nothing made any other way except by the hand of God. So everything around us, he made it. And every part of us, he made. And if we really feared or reverenced God, we would live for him because we will realize that he is the supreme being of all things and all people. God is truly God. And if we realized and reverenced God, we would give ourselves to him. Paul declares that we were purchased, we were bought with a price. First Corinthians said in verse six, chapter six and verse 19, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. He said, don't you understand? You don't even belong to yourself. Don't ever say again, I'm my own man. That's a lie. You are not your own. Paul said, you are not your own. He said, you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Are you hearing me? talking about what life is if we reverence God the way, the way we should. He paid tremendous price for us. He gave his own life for us so that you could have the real meaning of what Solomon talked about as the conclusion of all things. I was just thinking about all this today, and I started to preach on the bottom line. 
Because here's the bottom line. It's the conclusion of the matter. And the conclusion of the matter is that we learn to fear God and we keep his commandments. That's the fear of God that we need and that's the, that's the righteous living that we need because nothing else matters but the bottom line. Life's all about being saved. Life's all about being saved. It's not about how much money you can attain. It's not about how much popularity you can get. It's not about how, how much status you can gain in life. You've got to understand some things here tonight, and I'm going to harp on it until I get it through to you. We're God's creation. When you blaspheme God, you don't, you don't understand God. When you reject God, you don't understand God. When you reject God's word, you don't understand God. But, and let me tell you, we don't have any... It, any fear of God. Could I, could I just preach a little bit? I, I guess I can. Thank you. I'll ask myself, and then I'll tell myself, yes, I'm going to preach a little bit right now. This church is the house of God. I'm going to give you some old-fashioned stuff tonight. Y'all ready? We don't drink coffee in here. I need to be saying this on Sunday morning, don't I? You, you, you shouldn't bring your Cokes in here. Let me tell you, if I'm here, and I've said this before, if I'm here at 2 o'clock in the evening, nobody here, nobody in this building, and I got a coat in my hand, I set it out there, but I won't walk in here with it. You believe what you want to. That's the truth. Because this is a house of God. My mom and dad taught me to fear God. There is no fear of God in this world anymore. We better be teaching our kids the fear of God, the reverence of a holy God that we serve. Somebody help me out here. So I'm giving the ushers authority to tell you when you start in here with a, with a cup of coffee. And I, I know you don't mean anything about it. You've not been, some people have just not been taught. But the facts are we shouldn't be doing that in here. Now, now I know places where they, they come in and they got their donut in one hand and coffee in the other. And it's like, come on, preacher. But that ain't here. Not long as I'm here. We're going to reverence God. Anybody taught that way besides me? That's the way I was taught. We just, we, we're taught to reverence God. This is a holy place. This is God's sanctuary. This is his house. We reverence this place. It's not the mortar or the brick that make it holy. It's the presence of God that makes it holy. And this is God's house. I don't care how modern you think we ought to be. I'm just telling you, and this is a lost art, We've, we've lost it in, in our teenagers and our kids. Look, let me tell you something. If my mom and dad caught me doing some things that kids do in church today, I would look like a zebra the next day because they'd beat the living tar out of me. Amen? See, in my day, now y'all ain't liking me now. I, 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 I quit preaching with the meddling. In my day, you, you, you really didn't even chew gum, church. Now, some of you need mints, so go ahead and eat one. I'm playing with you. But, but, but you know what? You can't disrespect the house of God. You can't, you got to have a fear of God in your life. I heard somebody the other day, my wife and I both did, and, and, and it scared me. We talked about it. I said, oh, I fear for that person, the way they're talking. And, and, and you know what? You, you better be careful because let me tell you about God. He can, 
jerk the rug out from under your feet so fast you won't even know what happened. You better continually have a reverence in your heart for God. Don't, don't ever, ever use his name in vain. Don't ever say things against him or his word or his spirit. Don't ever do that. Blame yourself and blame somebody else, but don't blame God. Have a fear of God. Because let me tell you how powerful God is. He spoke everything you see into existence. His word just said, let there be and there was. And then he reached down and made a man with his own hands and he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. So that's how powerful God is. Nobody else can do what God can do. And so we're going to esteem him and hold him high and reverence him every day, wherever you go, whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever your actions are, fear God. Here's what the Bible said. The fear of God, somebody finish it's the beginning of wisdom. Everybody say, be smart. To be smart, you got to do this. You got to fear God. Amen. So, since we were created by God and sustained by Him, and He's the reason that we're here on this earth, some purpose must be in our life. Some purpose. Here's what Psalms 139 said. I thought this is a great scripture. For thou hast, verse 13, 139, 13, Brother Tommy. For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were, were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. You know what the writer's saying? You made me, you know me, and you know everything about me. Amen. So he said, before I was even formed, you had a plan for my life. You had a purpose in my life. So to find that purpose is the greatest joy of humanity when you live in the will and the purpose of God. A drink can't do what God did. A needle can't do what God can do. A pill can't take you where God can take you. The greatest joy you will ever find is when you are realize that there is purpose and he made you and he planned for you and there's something that he wants you to do. God is in control of your life and he is the maker of all things. So to fear God is to recognize sin, recognize its destructive influence in your life, and recognize what God has done and can do in your life. That's the fear of God. I worry, I worry about people that have been close to God that suddenly, suddenly they walk off and then they start talking bad about God. Not me. 
Let me tell you something, brother. If I walk away from the church today, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. Amen? Not God's fault. Isaiah, when he saw God and he saw himself as he really was, this is what he said. Isaiah 6 and 5, he said, Then said I, Woe is me. Have you ever said that? Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw himself through the eyes of God, and he said, Woe is me. In other words, I'm in trouble. I don't belong anywhere near God. He's so holy and he's so righteous. and he's So, so in, the view, in view of the light of the sin of this world that we see and what has come to our attention and what our eyes are beholding, let me tell you something. This is a, this is a world that we never dreamed of where people, did you see the news today? I know you did. You see the news this evening? So you can't even gather for a parade without some idiot with a gun killing people, wounding people. You may tell you something else. It's a crying shame in America when a cop can be kicked on the streets of New York City and the, and the people that did it are let go without a bail and without even going to jail. That's the world we live in. That's a shame and a disgrace. You know that, and I do too. The criminal's not responsible for what he does anymore. The thief and the murderer have no remorse anymore. Our courts let people go free that should be locked away because they've committed horrendous crimes. There's little compassion for victims anymore. And here we are. We profess to be Christian, but we don't know him and don't have a relationship with him. And we listen to our world and we get caught up in our world. That's why I'm preaching to you on this day. We need to get to the conclusion of the matter, and that is this. Fear God. Reverence the house of God. Reverence the word of God. I'm so persnickety about things that you're not going to just set something on my Bible. I'm not setting my coffee cup on my Bible. Preacher, you've gone crazy. I may have. I'd rather be crazy that way than I had the other way. Amen? By the way, I just thought about it. I want you to see Brother James. Brother James did well. He went to the hospital. His thyroid was a little low, and he had, and he had some uh, uh, huh? dehydration. Couldn't think of the word. But he's home. He's doing well. And he called me this evening and said, I'm well. I'll be back. Give God praise for that. So, so, so we fail to see that sin is a cancer that eats away, which, which destroys and it kills and the devil is on the rampage. The reality is that sin separates us from a holy God. And if we don't reverence God and understand his holiness and understand his, his righteousness, then we begin to fellowship with sin and we lose the fear of God. The devil wants nothing more than for the church and the world to have no fear of God. No fear. We're all sinners. Say, don't call me that. Yeah, I did. You know why? David said, Behold, I was shaping an iniquity, 
and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're all here. We're all here as sinners. And we're only saved by the grace of God. You better understand, Paul said it this way, we have all sinned. Romans 3.23, mark it in your Bible, we have all sinned. Everybody say, we've all sinned. He said, we've all sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. There are no perfect people in this room. There is nobody in this room that's never sinned. There, we're all, we've all sinned. Romans 6.23 said this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? There's enough in this book that if you start reading it, you'll get the fear of God. Let me tell you, you can't live for God all your life fearing hell. You've got to get the fear of God. Now, now, understand what I'm saying. You can't live for God scared of fire and brimstone all the time. That'll wear off. It's kind of like the undertaker going to a funeral. Before long, you don't cry anymore. But I tell you what you can do. You can get the fear of God in you and reverence God, and you live for God because you love him, and you reverence him, and you, you know he is the almighty, not because there's a hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't, I'm, I'm living for God. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not just living for God not to go to hell. I'm like the fellow that said not long ago, if all you got was this life living for God, it's worth every minute of it. It beats waking up in a drunken stupor. It beats waking up not knowing where you are. It beats going through the trials of life without the hand of God on your life. If living for God was just this life, I'd live for God anyway. How about you? Hmm. So it brings us to the next point. Solomon said, fear God and keep his commandments. So getting right with God is the beginning of assuming a right position before a holy and righteous God. Jesus and John the Baptist and the disciples all preached repentance. You cannot be righteous without repentance. Matthew 4, 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Luke said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You've got to fear God, but you've got to repent to live a righteous life. And repentance is not all there is to it. The Bible said in Luke 24, 47, when the Lord was given his disciples instruction just before he left he's, this earth, he said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then, of course, you know the scripture, John 3, 5, Jesus himself said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, so we understand that when Peter preached at Pentecost, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't stop there. He said the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So here's the deal. To get righteous, you got to get born again. To get righteous, you got to have the Holy Ghost. You cannot be holy without the Holy Ghost. 
Let me say that again. You can't dress good enough to be holy. You can't talk good enough to be holy. You can't go the right places enough to be holy. You within yourself will never attain holiness. You will only get holy when you get the Holy Ghost. Anybody believe that? Don't make me tell my story about the pig. Don't make me tell you about the pig again. Because you know good and well. You can dress that darling up, wash him up, put a good smelling perfume, put him in the bathtub, clean him up, put a little bow up there between his ears and tack it on. You leave the back door open, he's headed for the hog pen. He don't care how much you clean him up. Are you with me? I hope none of y'all have pigs in your house. I've seen people have pigs. I, I, I worry about those people. If you got a pig, please forgive me. But here's the thing. You clean that rascal up on the outside, but that you didn't change one thing about him. Anybody ever heard this? You can take the boy out of the country. What? But you can't take the country out of the boy. Right? You can take and dress up a sinner, but you will not change him from the outside in. He will only change from the inside out because that's the way God works. And that's where righteousness starts, and that's where we learn to keep the commandments of God. Finally, finally, God, Solomon had this to say. He said in 1214 of Ecclesiastes, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I got news for you. Every one of us are headed for the same place, and that is to stand before God. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said this, that every idle word, he said, I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. We're all going to stand before him. When, when Paul stood before Felix, the Bible said in, in Acts 24, 25, that he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. You never read where Felix had another chance to find God because he put off his chance. But listen to me right now. We shall all, Paul said, stand, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then he said in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. You don't like to hear that, and I don't like to hear that. But we are headed for judgment day. So the conclusion of the matter is this. We have to fear God and we have to keep his commandments. Why? Because every work is going to be judged by God. And every man's going to stand before God. He's not going to judge you by Newsweek magazine. He's not going to judge you by Fox News. He's not going to judge you by the morning paper. He's going to judge you by this right here. 
66 books called the Bible. This is what we're going to be judged out of. And in this are some commandments. Start off talking about the Ten Commandments. Well, that's, that's enough right there to condemn most of us, put us in prayer. Amen? They're not ten suggestions. They're still ten commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all my, thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen? That's the first two commandments. You want, you want to know some more? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. There's t not ten suggestions, ten commandments. I wonder today. You, you want to talk about idolatry? Well, you know, well, pastor, back in those days, those ten commandments, they, that when you talked about thou shalt not have any other God before me, well, they had those gods of stone and gods of gold and gods of wood, and they worshiped all the idols. But let me tell you something. It's a different day in 2024, but there's a lot of folks in idolatry. Oh, you don't want me to preach because anything that you serve before God is your God. Can I say that again? Y'all still love me? Love me till I'm gone, okay? Anything you put before God becomes your God. It can be all kind of things. I've seen people put people before God. I've seen people put jobs before God. Let me tell you how I believe things so you'll know. Some of you are new here. You don't know. I believe God, family, church in that order. Amen. I do. I believe God and then he made a family. So I believe your family is the second most important thing. God's number one. Your family's next and then the church. Does anybody believe that with me? But here's what I will tell you. You can't get it out of order because if you get... If you get family before God, that's the wrong order. God's first. You can't, you say, well, you know, I love my hobby. It's okay to have hobbies. I, I have hobbies. I like to do things. I could go around here tonight and every one of you have got some little something you like to do. Some of you like to go on cruises, don't you? Like that? I saw you in New York City not long ago. I know you like that. Some of you like vacations. Some of you like traveling. You like traveling, Brother Eric? Just took a trip across seas with his, with his daughter. I like traveling. I'll tell you what I like, food. Anybody like to eat? Oh, yeah, don't you lie to me. You didn't get that way by eating onions. And... We all got hobbies. We all got things we like. Nothing, nothing should become our God. Not our job, not our, not our pastimes, not sports, not anything should become your God. You, I'm, I'm talking about keeping the commandments. The commandments are, you know, you're like, some of us are like the rich young ruler. The Bible never gives that guy's name, but I tell you, it tells a powerful story about him because he came to Jesus and said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord looked at him and said, keep the commandments. You know what he said? Oh, I, I've done that. 
I've done that since the time I was just a boy. He feeling pretty good until the Lord looked back at him, Jesus, and said, Thou lackest one thing, one thing. Take all that you have and sell and give to the poor and take up a cross and follow me. And what the Bible said, that young man walked away sorrowfully. He couldn't do what Jesus asked him to do. He thought he had kept the commandments. You know what? We need to do a little soul searching. I do and you do to make sure we are living by the commandments of God. Jesus said in the New Testament, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That young man walked away sorrowfully because he wasn't willing to sell out. God wasn't number one in his life. His riches, his living, his houses, his land, whatever else he attained in life became more important to him than God because he had to turn around and walk away. And when the Lord said, I like us one thing, I could have I preach a little something here. You, you read whatever you want to in this. But I don't believe you can live like the devil and a preacher preach you into heaven when you come down here. I'm talking about when you die. I'm a little bit tired of everybody saved. told my wife the other day, I said, honey, if I die and I'm sleeping with a whore and I'm drunk and I'm drugged, tell the preacher he went to hell. He didn't go to heaven. I'm just talking about me. You, you, you know, you good people of grace. You can look over everything. I'm just telling you something. You can't live one way and die another. You can't die one way and spend eternity another. I'm going to give you some scripture right now. Ah, boy, this is probably going to get some clout right here. But I don't care. Let me tell you what the Bible said. As a tree falleth, so shall it lie. You, nothing a preacher can say can change how you lived when you roll down here in front of this pulpit. I can't change anything. Thank God that God's the judge. I'm going to say it to you again. I've said it for 35 years that I've been here, almost June the 1st be 35 years. And here's what I've always said. You're not God, and I'm glad, and I'm not God, and you're glad. Amen? We fall into the hands of a, of a just God. But here's what you have to do. you got to get enough fear of God in you. You're going to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, you pick yourself up and you say, Lord, help me to overcome. I'm sorry. Forgive me of that. You turn around and you walk away from that. And you live a different lifestyle. You can't keep living like you're living and not keep the commandments of God and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's not going to say that. God is in anything but a liar. He will never lie. And if you don't do well, he won't tell you you've done well. Might want to stand with me. I better quit right there. Amen. I'm getting good at quitting early, aren't I? It's because my legs hurt and I don't need to stand here another minute. Ushers, will you come?
And while they're, while they're coming, I want to say this to you, the conclusion. Everybody say the conclusion. That's what I'm preaching about tonight, the conclusion. The conclusion of the matter is fear God and keep his commandments. Do the right thing. Then when, you, when, when a preacher has to say words over you, he, he don't have to lie. He don't have to shuffle around. You know, let, let me tell you all a few pastoral scriptures, okay? I, I can give you some. Here, get your money out while I'm talking. And, and I'll talk so you can't leave. Still give an offering. Amen? Get your money out. Here you go. Okay. Thank you, sir. Here's, here's some pastoral things that you need to know, okay? When you go to a funeral and the preacher has very little to say about the person that died and they just start reading scriptures and trying to comfort the family, then you know. Are y'all still here? Because I'm not going to stand up here and lie about somebody. I'm not going to tell them you did good and you're on your way to heaven if you didn't. Go, guys. What y'all waiting on? Get some money. Go. Go. I'm not going to stand up here and lie about you. You know what I'm going to say at Sister Mayola Williams' funeral? She sat right over there. She loved Jesus. She brought her family to church. And every month, every month, y'all don't know this, Every month, I'll tell it at her funeral, not a month went by that I didn't get a $40 check that said pastor's coffee. She paid her tithes. She gave an offerings. But every month, now who's going to take up her torch? But it's not hard to preach funerals with people that live right, that fear God. I, I look back over my, my shoulder. There, I, I preached some patriarchs' funerals, some people that there was no doubt in my mind. When I stood over Todd Oglethorpe and preached his funeral, when I sat right there and T.F. Tenney preached my dad's funeral, it's not hard. It's not hard to preach funerals of people that, that, that you know they, they feared God and they kept the commandments of God because when the final analysis and the bottom line all takes place. It matters this, that you feared God and you kept his commandments. Do you love him tonight? Put your hands up. Father, take care of us. Save us in these last days. Lord, don't let anybody in here believe that I'm just being harsh. You're, you've got grace and you've got mercy, but I know what your word says. And we're trying to live according to the word of God. I ask you to give us great, great favor and let the power of God rest on this church. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody here said amen.